Hey, Zach. What's happening, buddy? Howdy doody. That's like my new word. I don't know why. Yeah, man. When, when was the first time that you got introduced to today's guest? Do you remember? It's been a few years. At, uh... yeah. There was like a big uproar, big uptip. People were super pumped about it. Yeah, it's I'm done a lot of interesting it's been things a while. over the years. Yeah, it's been a while. Six, seven years. How it in your expertise, what would a business need to do to get some of that uproar, get get some of that exciting excitement early on in the business? Because I think so many people are looking for that. Most of them don't do it. And then we'll bring him on to see what he did to do that. But yeah. what would you say people need to do to well, it's one of those things, man, adventure. like that I tell everybody is that once you have that initial momentum, you got to keep on riding it. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that what a lot of people will do is that uh, the momentum goes away and then to start from zero all over again is really, really difficult. So it's like once you once you catch that that wave, ride that wave as long as you can and then look over your shoulder to try to find that next wave. The sports analogy in that is and I, I think a lot of coaches would agree with this. It's a lot easier to get to the top than to stay at the top. Right. Yeah. So Georgia just won the national championship in football two times and uh, two times in a row. That's only happened a handful of times. And people talk about how, how it's actually probably easier to win than it is to actually win again. And I think it's interesting because it's like, OK, you can get this uproar, this uptick of, of, of traffic, of, of attention. And then next thing you know, it's like it goes away and you're like, well, I don't know how to get it again. And it's it's quite the conundrum. And the interesting thing, and then we'll you know, welcome officially welcome Hamilton, is that you also have a business to run. So it's like it's great to do all that press stuff and talk to people and keep that momentum. But at the same time, you still got to generate revenue. And, you know, so then there's the balancing act. And we've been uh, it's great to have Hamilton on today because we have gosh, we've been trying to get Hamilton on the show for a while. And I appreciate the fact that he was like, hey, man, I'm heads down right now. I am focused on selling getting through this season. And I was like, Hey, when you can make it happen, we'll make it happen. And here we are today. So welcome Hamilton Perkins. Yeah. Appreciate the welcome all. Thank you so much. And yeah, glad to jump in and, you know, discuss anything that we're going to discuss today. So, so you, what's the elevator pitch of the business? I haven't heard this from you in a while. If you meet someone in, you know, a four story building, you hop in the elevator instead of taking the stairs. And then they say, you know, you have a business. What do you do? What, what, what's your answer on that? Yeah. Today, what we do, we make upcycle bags and accessories. We make them from pineapple leaf fiber, billboards, and a whole lot more. That's kind of like the quick elevator pitch. And then, you know, depending on how many floors we have, I'll, I'll probably kind of elaborate because that usually is just enough to, you know, get the conversation started. But whether it's plastic water bottles, it's pineapple leaves, it's billboards, uh, clothing, textile remnant, anything that's technically sewable, we can really use it as the base material or raw materials to create something that's new. So we make backpacks and travel bags like the ones you you know literally wear on your back or on your body we we make fanny packs hip bags we make um you know purses wallets and you know we started with the idea of we wanted to make something that was recycled and the idea was let's find materials that are recycled so we launched on kickstarter and 
to your point there, Tim, we had a $10,000 goal. We hit the goal in six days about, you know, your point about how do you sort of get people, you know, excited and then how do you like sustain that excitement? So we knew that we had a finite window to get a certain amount of sales and to get a certain concept proved. And so what we did, we basically used that as a forcing function to, you know, test the idea, validate the idea, make sure that the customers were actually like there before we moved into production. And then from there, we ended up doing trunk shows. We did live events. We shipped the product, which was important because there's a crazy statistic that it's single digits. I mean, most campaigns don't actually ever ship anything. They never actually, you know, break or get funded, mm. you know, and so from there, we found that there was a market for uh, wholesale, so selling products in bulk. So instead of selling them one, one by one, we found that we could sell them in mass. So then we started working with independent stores. So these are your stores that are your gift shops, you know, your aquarium, you know, locally, maybe they have a, uh, a gift shop there or a zoo, or it could be uh, a men's store or a women's store. And these are, you know, kind of like locations where the salespeople can actually talk about the product, educate the customer on it that's coming in there about the story and like why the product matters. And then from there. And that's important know, too, because product. most people, most people see it as a bag, not a recycled, not an upcycled bag that it, without that story aspect of it, you're, they might not know that there's a, a bigger piece to the, to the pie, to the, to the story in that. And that's why having that person kind of sell for you in the store was important in, in that vision aspect and and it's like proximity too exactly like you know when you are in a store environment you know there's definitely like a certain culture there where you know we felt like it was good for customers to be able to feel and touch our product to see how it you know reacts how it lays on the body these you know kind of things that are a little bit harder to explain online or through an email or through a social media post and so that became a part of our distribution point. And what we did was we caught the bug because we figured out like how effective physical retail, even though it may not be the most glamorous thing to talk about, it actually works. You know, customers walking in a store or a space and, you know, finding meaning in what we do and using that as a way to educate them, create a relationship. So we ended up opening our own pop-up store. And around that same time, we were getting contacted by companies to help them with, let's say, recycle or to make gifts. And we found that, you know, the very first, you know, I'll never forget the very first one that kind of set it off for us was Zappos.com. So they contacted us. Um, well, actually, we we met them at a show and then we were showing them our collection and they, you know, come up with this idea about, um, you know, we could basically take their trash. You know, this is something that we've been doing kind of the whole time. Like we've always, you know, worked with agencies, we've always worked with nonprofits to get signs, fabric, things that, you know, have no use. And, you know, just to give you a visual for, you know, if you, I mean, for anyone that's like actually watching this stuff uh, on on the video side of it, I mean, you know, this is what we're talking about. Like it's, you know, literal material that is used as a sign or used in some advertising capacity. 
that's being repurposed into something that can be either worn as a bag or um, even, um, you know, wallets or e even other applications. So with Zappos, they sent us, you know, a big shipment of all their, you know, conference step and repeat banners, stuff that they had been using. And, you know, we found that there was a market for, you know, basically working directly with a company that has their own waste that they want to see repurposed. We can use whatever we can for their application. And then whatever is left, we can create our own collections with that. And so that created this whole like business unit of ours, basically where, you know, we can work on whether it's client gifts, employee gifts, or even items for resale. So in their case, they did a little mix of both. They did resell because they have a small shop within the headquarters. And then they also gifted it to some of the executives. So that just led to us doing, you know, projects for Coachella. We've done stuff for, you know, multiple Fortune 500 companies, um, the New York City Sanitation Department, and, you know, lots of big tech companies, lots of startups, you know, venture back, private equity back, uh, independent owned it really doesn't matter kind of like where you are in the journey. We do have something that can be of use, whether it's even if your company doesn't have waste, we have enough waste on our own. So you're simply empowering our mission by working with us in a partnership. So um, that's kind of where we've gone. So we decided we were going to close the store. Um, we kept it open. It was initially a three month run. That was the idea it was a pop up. And we ended up going close to 15 months total just with the success, just riding on it back, back to back, month to month. And it actually worked out really well because we learned a lot about just general product development, customer acquisition, you know, live events, branding. You know, it really was like a test bed for a, for a, a ton of things that we were up to. It was a 4,000 square foot uh, former Banana Republic location that had you know, another maybe call it 1500 square feet of um, kind of like office and, you know, workspace where we would house, you know, tens of thousands of pounds of uh, waste that we were, you know, planning to recycle or upcycle into our collection. And, you know, we kind of found throughout the journey also that there is a distinction between recycling and upcycling. So recycling is a way of actually taking something that is meant for trash or it's bound to go to the trash. And then we're just simply, you know, keeping it as at an equal value, basically, we're not necessarily adding value to it. But what upcycling is, is it's taking something that maybe has, you know, no value or, you know, potentially like negative value. And then we're raising the value of it by turning it into something that can then be remarketed, reused, um, and, you know, a consumer can go on to use for years and years again. So it's this whole idea of completing this uh, loop of circularity. Um, you know, along the way, we've been fortunate, um, you know, going back to the, you know, early days, PR has been really good. You know, we've gotten in places like uh, Fast Company, Forbes, uh, Washington Post, you know, just to uh, name a few. And, you know, even the Ellen Show, you know, we've worked with uh, tons of, you know, Fortune 500 companies, we work with um, celebrities, we work with, you know, all the, the whole gamut, you know, we can, we have a solution for you if you're, uh, if this is, you know, if you're listening to this, and you've got a, a small brand or a big brand, you know, we probably have a way to work together. 
because taking that back, I mean, it's really I, I, going back to Zach's initial thing about like, when was the first time that that we met? And it was like, it's super compelling in the sense of just like you said, you take pineapple leaves, plastic water bottles, uh, the the vinyl from from billboard signs or what have you. And then you can create the uh, your, your bags. And, and it's just like walk us through that how how that whole process takes place and then when you're done with that i have a follow-on question that i want to to touch on yeah so it starts typically with you know where are we starting technically and that's kind of a funny way but like you know is this a, an existing partnership where you know we're already sitting on a certain amount of material that let's say has branded or, you know, has been, you know, kind of like shaped to this client's, um, you know, idea, or is it something like brand new that will require like, you know, prototyping, sampling, et cetera. Um, but once we really decide on what the product's going to be, we can then take um, kind of like this reverse engineering approach. You know, if we know that we need a, a travel bag that's going to be customized and it's going to have, you know, a certain element of um, pops of color, maybe from, let's say like fabric remnant or fabric signs, like something like these, then, you know, from there we can turn around and say, okay, well, how many of these are we going to make? We can afford to cut this many pieces of that material. You know, there's a prepping process. We need to make sure the materials are cleaned and sterilized and make sure that everything that, um, you know, maybe a part of the element that it came from is not like, you know, included in the finished product. And then there's a kind of, you know, we have to have a pattern. So patterns have to be turned into, um, you know, a physical product. You know, it's one thing when it's on paper and it's on a computer aided design or in a technical pack. Um, but once you actually translate that into something that's physical, it's like a whole different, you know, sometimes there's like things that have to be corrected or they may be missed. So you want to make sure that all that is like approved. And then once you're moving into sampling, now you're in the, okay, we can start to actually move into production. So we can, you know, look at producing this on a mass scale. So, you know, we're not just making a couple of these, you know, we're making, you know, we're, we may be cutting, you know, thousands of yards of material or something at once and then we'll go back and then we'll sew all those materials and finally there's like the finished product where we're shipping now it does depend on where like i say where we're going with this because sometimes you know like i say a client may really want a cool gift and we can actually achieve that with what we already have and they have a short lead time but it might be another client that, you know, maybe they have more time and this is more like open-ended and more of a creative project. So then we'll be a lot more hands-on in terms of, you know, the design, you know, sending ideas. Um, we'll have more of a kind of a mood board, a vision board of like, you know, these are the, the looks that we're kind of going for here. Are references, you know, here's a, um, you know, here's options, you know, we'll, you know, we have a design team in-house so we can share that with the client and let them know this is like, what we're planning for this collaboration. How do you feel about these options? You know, so it's a lot more, it's like a longer lead time or a longer process, but um, you know, potentially there, like that's still an, a project that, you know, it, it has meaning, it has weight just as um, a client that maybe doesn't have any materials and they already know exactly what they want. They don't need us to create anything from scratch, um, but we can make it. So, you know, I'll, I'll talk about the Ellen project we did. So, you know, we get this, um, call or not a call we got this 
cold email, you know, I'm just like thinking, you know, this, is this real? You know, like, I'm kind of like just almost not believing it, but I, I knew it was possible, you know, and I think that's the important thing, you know, it's possible. <laughs> so I look and, you know, they're just saying they want this like enormous, you know, number of bags and we're just like, you know, yeah, we can get it done timeline, all that. In that case, you know, we didn't necessarily have that product in stock or anything. It was really more of like coming up with a concept, coming up with a vision, you know, aligning with like the timeline, the goals and all these things. And then from there, we were able to position like, okay, this is the product that we think is the best fit. You know, they really liked it. It was going in a subscription box of theirs. So they send out a subscription box to, you know, tons of their, um, you know, they have a subscription base of, you know, customers that get products, I believe it's quarterly. And, you know, so we were included in that. And so, you know, we had a nice like media campaign around it. And, um, you know, that was, you know, really good. Um, I think a good representation of like how we can work under pressure quickly, um, efficiently, but then, you know, creating a brand new product like from scratch that we don't, we didn't even offer at the time. Yeah, because that's really, uh, and for those that are watching on the video side, we have pictures of actual the actual products. This is not like I don't know if it was it last year that like the the weaving of the uh, the plastic bags became like a trend. We're not talking like weaving plastic bags from stores. Like you're, we're talking like legit bags that you chose that you wanted to have a to develop a specific brand a brand that could stand on its own that can compete against the larger luxury brands that have that sustainability reusability aspect to it what how did you how did you make that decision that you wanted to go in the the upscale upper market uh aspect of the business i think i've always been you know interested in just branding and high low and luxury and sustainability and kind of where all those things collide and intersect. I mean, my background was retail. So I worked in sneaker shops, you know, I worked in, uh, you know, I sold, you know, sunglasses, I've sold shoes, I've sold bags, I've sold jerseys. I've worked in, you know, more like, I would say, uh, general retail locations or retail stores. And I've worked in more like niche, higher end retail stores. So when it comes to like, you know, positioning and things like that, I feel like our product is definitely, you know, you have to kind of speak to someone, I would say, you know, and I think if you can speak to someone, then you stand a better chance of like having them hear you at least. So we felt like when we started, there really hadn't been, uh, like a brand that really kind of spoke to, you know, a product that's upcycled or recycled, but then also has the materials to kind of like back it up. So everyone's always unique. And when you think about how much goes into it, it's not like, it's not as simple as it may, you know, on the outside appear, you know, it, <laughs> I mean, hopefully we make it look simple, but it, it takes a lot of coordination, you know, like every time we go to get materials, like that's actually someone has to physically drive or schedule some type of shipping shipment. Like we spoke about of those materials to go from point A to point B. And that doesn't have anything to do with making the material or making the product or branding it or customizing it or designing it or marketing it. That's just like step one. So, 
the curation process also plays a part in this. So it's not just, let's just take every single, you know, thing that we can get our hands on. You know, we're trying to be as strategic as we can so that, you know, again, this is still a consumer product. A consumer is going to carry this, you know, and we, you know, kind of learned that from, what is it, Warby Parker years ago, they talk about like eyeglasses, you know, no one's going to wear eyeglasses that don't look good, you know, like it doesn't matter like what your social, you know, status is, you still want something that like actually accents you and makes you, um, you know, like look the way you intend to look. And so the same thing kind of applies for an accessory or, you know, any type of um, fashion item It's it still has to like look the part has to look good. And so with that being the case, we figured out that we needed to make the products, you know, unique. We knew that, you know, here's the first prototype these. We had, it was like, have a plan, but you may not always know exactly how you're going to achieve that plan. We knew we wanted to make this stuff from recycled stuff. That's what we knew. But the application of how it was going to actually come to be, you know, it, really came with that very first sample once we made it and we we were using what we thought were going to be reference materials we were using recycled materials as references only but when we saw how unique it looked how different it looked how it really spoke to practically everyone that saw it it really told us that okay we've got something that people really want we don't need to you know stop right there don't break something that's already um working so that's how we got to, um, you know, hopefully that answers your question, but, but that's how we got to, um, you know, making the product kind of like positioning it the way it is. And our work's still not done. You know, we still, there's a, there's a segment that we don't even speak to. There, there's several segments that we don't speak to that, you know, would allow us to, you know, do more that would allow us to have more awareness that would allow us to, you know, have more impact on what we're doing. You know, to date, we've probably, you know, we're approaching a million plastic bottles that we've upcycled into this collection. So what we're looking at is, you know, how do we, you know, we we have a big goal, you know, we, we want to do a billion plastic bottles. So what does that take? Well, we've got to, we got to expand our reach. You know, that means we need to be in the highest markets of uh, fashion that are available. That means we need to be in sort of a mass market. We need to be in a place where, um, you know, we become sort of a household name and we're ubiquitous with, you know, this concept in this space. So what you can expect to see from us going forward is more, um, you know, I would say education, more um, information about, you know, what we do, how we do it, um, you know, sharing more of the storytelling element of, you know, what we do. And, um, you know, we're, we're definitely excited for the, for this new year. Tim, did you ask the Chris question? No, I was going to okay. admit that that was a good question. So I, th I think that the person who actually introduced me to you, Hamilton, was Chris Hill. I, 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 he texted that, me right that before sounds the show. Right. Yeah, he texted that me right before the show and said, who's who's on the show today? I said, you. And he said, well, tell him I said hi. So And then he, he's watching now. My so, buddy Chris. Um, so he says, um, Tim, I'll take you off for just two seconds. As sustainability has become more popular in the mainstream, have you seen that as more of an opportunity? with the wider customer base or more of a threat with larger companies coming into that space? It's always been like the same concept for us because I can remember very, uh, you know, specifically like back in as far as like 2014 when I was still working in 
kind of like banking and stuff. I, I saw like it could I could count it on like one hand, like when I would Google, you know, maybe like companies using plastic bottles to make product. And I remember like there was like Colhan and there was like Patagonia and it was just like maybe a few others, but they weren't like household names, let's say. So fast forward, what does that mean when there's bigger players? It really it does help us because what I would say is they have already spent the billions and millions to market to the customer to get them familiar with, excuse me, you know, and this is kind of turning into a branding conversation, but now they're already familiar with, you know, a large brand, you know, let's just insert any brand name. So when they introduce this thing that they're doing, it is already kind of like trusted, you know, there's always like a, there's a no like and trust factor that's already there. So we as like a newer brand that maybe they're not familiar with what happens is we actually benefit from them kind of educating the whole space or like growing the whole space from that standpoint. So it actually helps us when there are bigger companies. I mean, there's still 8 billion people, you know, plus on this, on this country that is, I mean, on this planet that it makes, we, you know, in a hundred lifetimes, you know, we wouldn't be able to solve like, this one problem by you know on our own you know we're, we're going to need help anyway so um i just look at it as it's we're we're now having a better like we're now having another conversation in the, like the mind of the consumer like there's already a conversation that's in their head and so we're integrating ourselves in that conversation you know so that's kind of that eugene schwartz breakthrough advertising idea of like there's already a conversation going on you're like integrating yourself and then there's the concept of now they're more likely to like understand what we're talking about when our conversation happens. So our conversation is it's expedited because they know, okay, this is a thing that, you know, a company could take, you know, retail store display signs and turn those into bags or some other application. That's not like some far fetched idea because, you know, insert media company you know they have spoken about this or covered this topic at length and so it gives us kind of this you know it's a it's a better conversation it's a shorter conversation where you know we come in with the the deck and what we're doing let's go let's get something going you know and then lastly like that's the idea you know we never wanted to just it wasn't never set to be a monopoly of sorts you know we weren't necessarily trying to you know just you know we again we know it's going to take more you know it's going to take a lot of um you know if you think about like hollywood or something i think it's probably the best example you know like or america itself you know how does it become that way it's like messaging and storytelling like repeated over and over and over you know and, and it's not it's not necessarily like a political statement but it's more so about like the power of marketing and branding like how you like actually present a message so you know we see that as like being really important for us well i mean that that aspect of it is 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 wild and think about the what what you just said from a positive or negative aspect the way that it's messaged the way that it's branded the way that it's marketed I mean, the food pyramid, right? Forever, everyone said that was the greatest thing, you know, since sliced bread. Now you look at the food pyramid and people are like, whoa, 
Like I, this is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Uh, the marketing aspect, uh, I think about like crypto, maybe five years ago, when you would start seeing that on the ticker, that that made it, you know, uh, an opportunity for people that are like, well, if they're talking about it and they're showing it, then that must mean it's trustworthy enough for me to get into it. It's little things like that, that when they hit that, um, that next level, I don't know what it's really called, but like that, 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 yeah, the, the top of the mountain is, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's incredibly important. Yeah, it's like psychological everyone, triggers for people. You know, if you yeah. if you go to a new city and you see like two places to eat, one's got a line, the other doesn't. The place with the line has you know all your favorite bands. Like it's got people on the wall. They've signed it. They've been there. You know, all of your um, you know food that looks really tasty. You're probably going to go with the one that's got all the social proof. And it's kind of like in a world of marketing and busy noise and messages, it's like, that's probably what seven to 10 things, or, you know, maybe you talk about Robert Caldini's influence. He talks about, I think there's like six things that you cover that, I mean, those are the kind of laws of influence. If you can handle those, then, you know, you, you kind of can create a ownership of a space. So. Well, I mean, Chick-fil-A every day. Right. I mean, they've, they've added a third line and people will sit in that third. The Chick-fil-A by oh. me literally has 90 cars in it every single day going <laughs> to the main road and people don't care. It's just I'm just like, this is obnoxious. There's a there. Have you seen a third line, Tim? You haven't? Yeah, no, that, uh, our, our local Chick-fil-A, they've uh, they've they've remodeled like twice in the last two years. It's obnoxious. And it's just, yeah, it's to add more capacity. Uh People don't, you know, in college, people don't go to a bad party, right? They're not going to go in the door of, of the bad party. And if they go into a bad party, they're going to leave, right? So people want to be a part of the the, the popular thing. And uh, that social proof, like you said, Hamilton, is is critical. So, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you leverage that in terms of uh, going back to the opening of the show. You're on the Ellen Show, and then you're able to leverage that to, to, to keep that momentum going forward. Do you? In terms of what was the first break uh, or opportunity that that surfaced in, in terms of approaching you that you're like, wow, we this to one validates and then two puts you on the map in, in, in a bigger way than you ever thought that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like if we've had breaks. I mean, we've I think everything's like a break, you know, like when we made that first sample and it, actually came out looking the way it did that was like a major break um getting the virginia velocity tour grant for 25k like that was a huge break you know being kind of in the right place at the right time to like be able to actually leave my job to focus on this it was like a good break um having like the ability to travel the country and the world to actually go and do pop-ups and meet people at trade shows and meet factories and stuff you know that was a good break uh, Zappos, you know, them, you know, trusting us to take their signs and turn it into something that would be on brand. That was a good break. Um, you know, this past few years, even though it's been an insane, you know, ride, it's been kind of a, you know, repositioning or um, just time of reflection, I would say, you know, it, that turned into a break. Um, you know, someone may listen to this and be inspired and say, you know what, like, 
our company's got, you know, gifts that we're looking to give to our sales team or, you know, we're trying to court some clients to, you know, work with us on a SaaS deal or something. And, you know, we just can't seem to get through to them with maybe the cold outreach approach. But what if we just send them a nice package, you know, a good old fashioned lumpy mail, you know, package with a branded product with a nice note and some, you know, call to action in there to get on a, you know, get on a call with a team like that, there's something that important. The there's something important there, right? And so Tim brought up. I think Tim brought up this idea after Hubs Peanuts. I, I believe he was the first one. Uh, which I don't know if you if you know Hubs uh, out in it, it's Ham- Southampton Smith. County, something like okay. that. They they create peanuts, and the nut is so big, like it's like he sent us a couple of of them, and Marshall uh, sent them to us, and like the nut is so much bigger than your other. No, it's so weird. Yeah. Um, anyway, but it's a, okay. they're great tasting. Anyway, Tim came up with this idea. I think it was Tim that had this idea. Maybe Marshall had it. Maybe it was me. Who knows? Anyway, it was like we talk about buy local all the time. But then when we buy local or, or these companies who do gifts, it's never local gifts. Right. And mm. so it's like, what if you had, you know, your actual local gift shop? And I'm not saying gift shop, but like gift, gift gift ideas that are actually all done that are local companies. And so, you know, someone listening to your idea, Hamilton, it's like, okay, if you're trying to give something to a prospect or to, you know, to provide a, a client that you love, give them a local bag. Don't buy them the Michael Kors bag, right? Give them the, the HPC right. uh, bag in that bag could be some hubs, peanuts, some, I'm, now I'm forgetting everything. Uh, some, some, uh, some El Guapo, some El Guapo, some crunchy hydration, right. um, all of these little things with some stickers from something in the water, you know, whatever it might be with, a, with who knows what it could be. But like, if you really want to buy local in that aspect, there are ways to get really creative and, and showcase businesses that most people have never heard of. Right. Um, and it, 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 it just makes you wonder, it makes you think it's like, oh, there, there's a lot of creative, fun ideas that can be done with a lot of local brands that not everyone does. That most people don't do. Yeah. And, then and I, the other angle to approach it too is to think about like, you know, I believe it's a McKinsey study. They talk about the um, 60% cost can actually be reduced when you have sustainable procurement and sustainable procurement can expand to local gifting. It could expand to, you know, upcycling like what we do. But then there's another segment that's like, I believe it's about 85% of employees, you know, they would rather have something, you know, that's environmentally responsible or socially responsible as um, you know, they want to work for a company that has a strong purpose. So if you think about it in those terms, it's also like a recruiting tool. So a lot of time our clients are, you know, we've heard of, um, you know, key positions in the company being vacant and them not being able to fill it or, you know, there's turnover because, they've actually cited like the way that that company handles their sustainability and how they handle their practices around sustainability. And so, you know, it's also kind of a way to think of recruiting. So if you're going to spend, you know, let's say you get a, you know, a great person that is in a role and they're making a hundred K a year, you're going to spend, you know, I don't know your recruiting costs, but let's say they're 20 K to get them in a seat by the time you onboard them and fill it you know, is it worth it to, you know, have to keep, you know, replenishing this role, if you will, when you kind of know that they want to see more out of you in a certain category or in a certain area of your business. And that's where we come in where, you know, we could work with you on a, you know, a gifting item for Earth Day, 
or we could work with you on a gifting item for a holiday or we could work with you for a gifting item on anniversaries or just, you know, for a marketing campaign in general. And so that's what we've seen has been really effective is it's definitely a client engagement tool to get leads and to get sales. You know, some deals for some clients can represent, you know, pretty big um, paydays. You know, um, we definitely work with work with a uh, company out of Paris and, you know, we were helping them with, you know, specifically trade show gifts, but they were unique gifts. So instead of just like you said, like giving them something that's more mass produced, giving them something that has a purpose and a story. So we took their old signs and then reworked it into uh, for them. It was shave kits, little little dot kits that were branded for them and they were gifting it to their clients. And, you know, again, these are sizable transactions. So, you know, our costs become kind of, you know, minuscule compared to, you know, what it's, what it represents to bring in. And I think you see the same thing with that production of a, of a staff or an FTE. So if you have these key roles that you're trying to recruit for, what is that employee worth it to you, you know, and what does it cost you to get them? And then kind of like, where do we fit within that? So that's just how do you, a, sell, how do you sell that? It I makes do. a lot of sense. You're saying it, I get it. I think everyone would agree, but getting to that person that makes that decision maker, right. whether uh, who, who knows what that person is, it could be a marketing person. It could be the, the HR person. It could be the recruitment manager. Heck it could be the CEO. It could be, it could be just a, a, a middle manager. It could be whatever. How do you get to that person and sell that to them? Because that's a difficult thing. To, to do. And by the way, you're not wrong. Fifteen twenty five thousand dollars to bring on a new employee. Like what's a two hundred dollars? What's two hundred dollars with the local stuff going to do if that keeps that person for thirty six more months? That's a hell of a win. Like well, you got to spend that money. And, and adding on to that, it's like Hamilton, are, are you seeing like is there like a chief sustainability officer at companies that are committed to uh, like totally renewable like they have a, a either a net zero carbon footprint or a, a negative carbon footprint. Are you seeing positions like that uh, in existence? Yeah, I'll take both, both of those, you know, on the, like how we sell it side of it, you know, I think part of it, it really starts with kind of what we're doing right now. So it's, it's interviews, it's content, you know, a lot of time we're like, how did, you know, a client find us normally by the time they're getting to us, they're typically like already, their mindset, you know, they're already like, oh, we saw what you did for other, you know, brand. We want to do something similar to that. Or maybe they just want to hear us out about like, what do we envision for what they do? And so we kind of paint a picture, you know, that's our, you know, secret sauce, if you will, is like, we have a vision and we can really execute on what we can kind of create on the selling side, of course, like, you know, marketing is also like, if you can have good marketing, hopefully you have your marketing is good enough that you, you know, your, your sales is like your, your marketing is kind of the, the real thing. So now I'm not saying I don't still like subscribe to the, I mean, I, I've already quoted, you know, Robert Caldini once here, you know, I, I would probably, you know, say just um, my background coming from, you know, banking, I, I definitely was fortunate to rotate through eight out of 10 lines of business. So kind of as like the lead, you know, salesperson, if you will, I, I've been able to, you know, pick up a lot of things. I think it's about like making it, it's in terms of what makes sense or what will be beneficial to the client. You know, if I know that they have um, some type of like problem they're trying to solve, the one good thing too, and I'm kind of all over the place, but like experience is another thing. Now I can actually say, oh, look, I've already worked with like 20 similar clients in the same like 
kind of, you know, needing the same problem solved. And this is how we best address that with this particular product. And this is going to be the lead time. This is how we would design it and, and those type of things. So I'm, I'm actually able to kind of draw on those experiences. But I really think it's also about like, you know, just figuring out what the customer needs in whatever scenario it is. And then I would say um, as far as like a sustainable role, we definitely, we've had a lot of conversations with sustainability uh, employees and directors of sustainability and executives at companies. And I find that we definitely have, you know, this, this is kind of a, it's not like always one role that like, basically is like the decision maker. It's usually kind of this, um, it's like a consensus situation. So it might be, excuse me, our, our projects in many times or cases, they, I mean, they go up to the C-suite and, you know, it's not just marketing or it's not even just sustainability. You know, it's, it's the entire like C-suite in many cases. And sometimes it's even on the board level, a lot of time. And, and sometimes it is the board level. Um, I've also seen it, you know, from the like employee level, like I've seen it like start on the front lines in the trenches and kind of like make its way up to the ivory tower that way. So it's not necessarily like a one size fits all in terms of decision makers, because like you said, there's different budgets. Generally, you know, marketing has a budget. Um, Sustainability sometimes has a budget, but sometimes that budget can be wrapped or rolled into communication or it may be rolled into another uh, cost or profit center that may not have a budget sometimes generally it just depends you know some companies it has a budget sometimes it doesn't um to your point though hr you know hr can have its budget where that hr budget might be even distributed to an agency you know that's the big thing we haven't talked about yet is you know our relationship with agencies and how we work with um you know agencies and we, we were talking about something else about like selling and you made, you made a good point there where you're talking about, um, you know, kind of like, what do you get a person that like already has it all, you know, type of thing. And, you know, we got it. We were fortunate to work with a partner of ours that we were able to work on a project for Hanover insurance for their salespeople. And so, you know, this is like an event that they were doing that, you know, they were recognizing these agents and basically it kind of turned into like, you know, they needed something that was like a great story that had impact that, you know, for someone that is already kind of at the game, you know, like you said, you don't want to just come in and just, you don't necessarily just give them the most like, you know, obvious thing. You want to give them something that they can really like reflect on. And, you know, we see it in our, um, projects because after we complete a project like that a lot of time we're getting hit up by the employee that thing you know and they're just like sure they're emailing us congratulating us or just being happy that um you know we exist so um i think that's a part of it too is just like you know if you need help if you need help with like giving something to someone that already has everything you know they they're pretty accomplished like that's kind of where we can come in and be like a specialist well, I, I, I'm just, I think that one of the biggest things that you all can offer is the uniqueness factor. I mean, it, everything that you do is essentially a one of one uh, product. So, I mean, I, I'm just thinking about like, what are the greatest places that people go to experience for experiences? Is it, I, initially, the thing that I thought of was like, people are just like, they would do anything to go to like any of the Tesla unveiling 
events or when they opened up the Gigafactory or whatever the case, or maybe you know, whatever the case is. And then, hey, while you're here, we're, we're going to turn all of the everything that you see here that can be turned into something that Hamilton Perkins does, be a part of the uh, collection. Put your order in now and then you can own a piece of what went down today or like at a park at Disney, at any of the Disney parks or at the end of a movie. Hey, we're going to take all the stuff that we did uh, to create this movie and we're going to upcycle this into you know, HP, HPC stuff. I don't know. Zach, what or do they do with be... like? Uh, like WW, stuff. WWE stuff. Do they, do they reuse the canvas from the ring? I mean, like if a I'm lot. just thinking like, it. yeah, but yeah, I was thinking like, something in the water, something like mighty dream. I mean, I'm sure there was yeah. a lot of waste that could have been recycled there. I don't know if you had those conversations, but to localize it, that could be it. Uh, WWE typically sells that stuff to their fans in packages yeah. so that they make special chairs. Um, the ring, depending on the event, they will take the ring, cut out a little piece, put a picture of it, sell it yeah. for 400 bucks. Well, that's dude, it. that's what I mean, it's, uh, it's, when the, bills, it's the same effect, yeah. When the bills returfed their uh, at the time it was Rich Stadium, maybe like all the fans that could buy like a, a, a one inch by one inch square of the turf for whatever the amount of money was, but people buy the man. seats from stadiums too, you know, yeah, all that <laughs> yes. kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot of stuff that people could buy. Yeah, and I just think that, man, the unique display is awesome. Yeah. All the above. I mean, every single one of those applications is something that we've kind of, like, either done or, like, we're kind of, like, either funny enough or in the process of doing. And as long as it's sewable, that's really, like, our – that's our thing. Like, if we can sew it, it'll work, you know? Like, it has to be something that a needle can fit through and that, you know – I mean, this is former theater signs here. You know, this stuff is, like – this is this is fabric you know this can be used as a um you know liner it can be used as even for exterior um as long as it's something that has some weight to it we can then you know add our flair to it as far as the design points and the patterns and production and all that so you know everything from that even into uh you know clothing is kind of like the newest thing that we're you know starting to just you know prototype and get stuff in you know stuff like i mean you can get it i don't know if i can get this on here but like you know stuff like this this is like signs you know this is literally mm-hmm. you know signs that have been you know reworked and repurposed and you know it's all you know it was already in the world but you know we found a way to like remake it we, fascinating we live in the norfolk virginia beach region uh southeastern virginia Three hours south of D.C., six or seven hours from New York, a couple hours from Raleigh, a couple more hours from Charlotte. Just giving people kind of a a baseline of where we are. I don't think most people would think that a design collection would be created in Norfolk, Virginia. Is that a pro or a con? And what has your overall experience been creating a company like this in an area that doesn't at least on the surface seemed to be a place where that would be the place to start, grow and succeed in a, in a design business. Yeah. I think it's kind of an interesting question. I mean, I was talking to, you know, kind of a designer about this here not too long ago. I was in California and we were just like, you know, talking about, cause he had just got out there and I think he's been there for maybe a couple of years. And, you know, he's talking about like, you know, the advantages of, you know, basically being from an outsider of sorts, you know, when you're in a specific industry. 
I think for us it works because for one, we're not like, we don't blend in, you know, I think it's kind of easier to get caught up in being like, you know, if you're in LA or New York, you could just say like, okay, you know, we're a New York brand, we're LA brand, something like that. And there's a lot of LA and New York brands. So then eventually you have a differentiating point that you have to sort of or overcome. But then I think it's almost like a pattern interrupt or a scroll stopper when it's to your point, it's like, you know, wait, you guys are from where and you do what and you've done this. It's like now you're kind of like, I think this is almost like a certain, well, I'll say like a, what do you call this? Like a constraint, you know, even because, you know, we, we, we don't have all these like, you know, textile factories and stuff like that that are like right at hand's reach. But at the same time, you know, it creates like a, it's like a focus, you know, it's like the sun, you know, it's probably the best analogy. You know, if you have the big sun, it's like, okay, it's light, lights everything up. But then you get that magnifying glass and then it's like, it just creases laser and it just can burn up something. That's kind of how we are. I feel like with what we're doing, we don't have to necessarily be in um, a particular area. Instagram has made the world smaller. Our email has made the world smaller. You know, it, we're not going to say we wouldn't have gotten the Ellen deal if we lived in, you know, a different market and did something different. But I think there was just, I think there definitely was something that helped us stand out. You know, I, I was over in Europe here not too long ago, just, you know, seeing stores and, you know, kind of, you know, reacting to, you know, what's going on over there. And, you know, I feel like there's definitely like a certain, um, and I was, I met with, um, you know, photographer and we were talking about like you know like this idea of things that like aren't you know it's like a foreign thing technically so it's like you get a certain amount of um you know it, it's just like we we want things that basically we have or they're like not easily like readily available it's like the whole grass is greener concept so i say you know that's a long-winded answer but you know i think it you know your you, your opportunities are you know, what you make of, of them. Well, and I think when something, there's so much of something, it, it the new thing in there or the old thing in there or the everyday thing in there becomes camouflage. So you come out of that and you're the anomaly because you're a little different and that actually becomes a huge branding and marketing opportunity. So I, I like that. Yeah. Tim? Yeah. Uh, where do you do all the manufacturing right now? So right now we have a mix of manufacturing partners we have about three partners we work with we have partners in new york la and we have some overseas if it's like under 100 units and it's more of like samples maybe there's just a very i'll call it like an acute like need that we're trying to solve that you know we can probably easily make that here like domestically excuse me um but then we also make stuff like you know if it's customized you know, it's got to be in like a mass quantity. You might have that overseas, but we may have it made here too. So we might have like all hands on deck really trying to push. So, you know, we've been testing out more. Um, you know, I've been making stuff a little bit here locally too, just like on a cut and sew, like, you know, just getting like really rough references made. I mean, you know, this thing here, this was made here, you know, like right around the corner, I, I got other stuff here locally, but again, it's very small quantities. Um, we're definitely, it's funny, we're in this stage or season right now where we're, you know, communicating with like, just like new partners, like figuring out like, 
additional capabilities, um, you know, new team, you know, just to kind of increase our capacity. And at the same time, you know, like our output of like what we can actually do and like what's possible. So that's pretty much been my life too for the past few weeks here is just kind of having conversations with, you know, just, you know, these different makers in the world, which has just been really awesome. So uh, for those that are listening, you're wearing a hoodie uh, right now. Do you know what, what the ingredients are, so to speak, of the hoodie that you're wearing? Yeah, so we received a uh, shipment of basically showroom signs from uh, Ferguson, if you're familiar with the company, and um, we're able to make, you know, pieces of um, almost like cut and sew pattern blocking out of the materials that we receive. So you'll see like, you know, it's a lot of like, you know, plumbing or not plumbing, but like kitchen and stuff like that themes and you know even let's see got a shirt on underneath so you know you've got you know more of it continued on on the inside um but then we've also found you know we we have clients sometimes they have just like shirts or just stuff that maybe it's like outdated and instead of us trying to um you know make something brand new like they want to do something with like you know, these shirts that have a misprint or, you know, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't like actually get used. So, you know, we, we have a ton of, like I say, I mean, our library of just materials at this point is really um, awesome that we can tap into for, you know, projects and collections. So um, that's what our stuff's all about. You know, we're, you know, anything that's like headed for a landfill or like doesn't have like a, even if it's not being used at the appropriate level and we can raise the level of it and raise the value of it, you know, that's when what you, we'll uh, do. when you create the tags, they good. They go in the back of uh, clothing items. Do you, I mean, it could be, do you say made by or made with, you know, in, in terms instead of like cotton polyester, do you do like water bottles and pineapple leaves mm. i mean like i think that that would be like even within itself a pretty neat marketing uh kind of thing because it's it's super unique yeah yeah um, i was gonna grab some of our other teas but um i don't actually think close by but yeah i mean we we include the content you know, that we have to you know by law we have to label them and kind of like include the um, makeup, the instructions, the origin, you know, country of origin and stuff. And, you know, we're kind of always wow. creating these. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't, um, you know, particularly when you're importing stuff and even for retail, um, a lot of your retail distribution points, you know, I mean, we work with some, you know, um, we, we, we're onboarded with, you know, insert any, any, you know, major retailer. I mean, we're probably onboarded somehow, whether it's um, on a drop ship, relationship or you know pop-up or traditional wholesale um so a lot of time that's a part of the onboarding is we must have um you know upcs or we have to have certain, um i mean there's just certain things you need to kind of follow and you know it gets kind of heavy and intense on that just alone you know i kind of classify all that under project management and onboarding so um yeah but you know i mean from simple labels like these all the way down to ones that kind of detail, you know, that something, what something was and what it's becoming. Um, we, we kind of run the gamut and, 
I, I'm really excited to, you know, just introduce like probably gone a few years with kind of just having the action that we've built over like the prior years. And, you know, we didn't feel like enough people had even seen that, you know, and I, I think that's probably still true. I don't think enough people have actually seen it. So um, it comes to a point where, you know, now we are, you know, we have all these capabilities, we have all these materials. So, you know, it's a game of merchandising of sorts, you know, we don't want to like overextend, but then we want to be like focused on something. So, you know, that that's part of, that's one of my words for the, this year, word of the year is, uh, you know, focus and uh, discipline and um, yeah, that that's kind of it. Um, I have a new question that I'm going to, I think I'm going to start asking Tim on a, on a regular oh, basis. Okay. So we're, we're going to try it out. So I'm a huge fan of the Inspiring Super Bowl. something new here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge fan of Super Bowl. It's my favorite day of the year. I love the, uh, the atmosphere. I love the aura of it. I love the actual events. I love the halftime. I love the commercials. I, I love it all. This year, 30-second commercial cost $10 million. I just read last year, I think maybe the first or second best commercial of all time was the Coinbase QR DVR thing moving across the screen. Thought it was brilliant. Very, very, very unique and different. This year, I heard that FanDuel, the sports betting app, is hiring Gronk for their 30 seconds to kick a 30 or 40-yard field goal, and that's literally the commercial uh, that FanDuel is doing to... Um, oh, so it's going to be a, a live... Uh, Fly live at attempt? the stadium. Oh, wow. I don't know. Okay. I, I would assume it's at at where's, uh, at the Arizona Cardinals field. Yeah. Um, I, I'm assuming it's there. I, I haven't confirmed that. But Hamilton Perkins Collection has $10 million to spend on this year's commercial. What is the concept that you would put out there? And do, like, is that the right place to, to get it out to the world? Because it is... I mean, there's 73 spots typically in a Super Bowl from a commercial perspective. It, like, what is what is the HPC commercial? Yeah, Tim, I'm very well versed on the Super Bowl commercial. I love it. Like, what what is the HPC Super Bowl commercial this year, 2023? That's a great question. You have, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a good question. <laughs> you have yeah, a 30 no, second spot to do in there. No, that's an amazing question. I think for us, what we would say is, I think our creative brief would be around you know, again, like raising the whole profile of this space, because if it's 73 spots, my assumption is that there's not another spot that's dedicated to sustainable fashion, upcycle materials, you know, corporate social responsibility. So I would probably try to get some insight to like, how can we differentiate ourselves from like Coinbase and all these other things that are going on and just have a um, very like targeted sort of approach to I try to take all my best testimonials, you know, that I could possibly fit in there with just like um, everyone that's ever like ordered anything from us and maybe like having a few of the most like representative ones first. And then I'd have like, like a gallery view of like maybe lots of consumers. And then I'd have like a strong, I'd have to test it, but I have to figure out what is the strongest call to action that could be something like, you know, got upcycled or have you upcycled or something that's like, that would like make people think, make them stop, but then make them make them Google, make them search TikTok, etc. It will be interesting to see how many companies throw up a QR code at this year's Super Bowl. Um, 
it, it's just it's always unique. There's there's one to three typically uh, commercials that people will remember every single year, even a week later, a year later. I'm not sure that many would remember um, any of them. Um, the greatest Super Bowl commercial of all time, many think, is the Apple 1984 commercial. I think that's debatable, but that or the Coinbase one are probably two of the best ones um, that I think are out there. But Tim, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I could answer that question. That's a $10 million question and to answer in 30 seconds. Are you, are you talking about what would my favorite commercial be? Well, either. <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. You like, my new, uh, you like my new question? Like, that's a good, I, I, well, I just I thought you, of that. Just, Thank I'm, you. I'm just Thank thinking, you like, uh, I think that yeah, we're, we're, we're booked for the next three months. So any future, uh, any, any guests that are going to be appearing in the future, I hope that they're doing homework and watching this episode so that they know how to answer the question. It's kind of an extension good, of the It's like a good pitch. brand. Ex- yeah, it's like a good, I was going to say, it's almost like a good brand exercise to just like know what your Super Bowl pitch, pitch would be like hypothetically, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, like even a low cut, like if I was Hamilton Perkins, I think that like St. Jude has that T-shirt. This this T-shirt saves lives. You know, I, I would almost have a lost leader in the sense of this T-shirt came from water bottles or, you know, or I'm wearing water bottles or something like that. Just from a from a from a, uh, a brand education standpoint, um, just so that that people can. Because I just don't think that people really can piece it together. Like, I mean, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing. Especially for a new business, right? right? It's one thing if you're Doritos and Bud Light on there, right? right? Or, or, or selling something, but it's, or selling like a car that people have known about. But like when you're selling something so new, that's a. And to, and to such a big audience that is so diverse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because my mind went to, like the CMOs and the B2B partners more so. I mean, I, I think in terms of the consumer, but I, I kind of thought about like, what could they easily like get? Cause if it's 10 million bucks, you know, that's a lot of stuff you got to sell to make, to make it worthwhile. And we're not, we're, this is hypothetical. Cause I know you got to be on a list or something before you even can spend the 10 million. You probably have to have had to have been an advertiser for, past couple of years or something but um i could see it being similar to what you said like you know the other route is like taking a it's like showing the process i mean that's the thing that's like that works well too even on our social is just like process like showing it I think as a amazon sign, does showing that it as well a model amazon does that with their um back of the house stuff i've seen commercials like that i, yeah. I envision that's what you're saying because if you start breaking down the unit economics it becomes it starts to become doable in the sense of uh you know you, you know how many pieces that you would have to sell in order to break even and uh, 10 million dollar deals you know 10 10 brands 10 1 million dollar deals you know it's, it's possible so reach out if you have a, if you got a brand if you have a brand and you want to do this <laughs> Or, or 10 million times $3 per package of uh, Doritos. I mean, that's, but if you, at, here's, here's some homework for people. Super Bowl, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, go to the grocery store and see how many oh, we, Doritos you can buy. You want. We, that's, that's, that's our family game. We'll like make it a point to go to a grocery store. Everybody can pick one product. And then we look at everyone's shopping cart to see who has the, you know, like 
Is it Bud Light? Is it Doritos? Is it potato chips? And then, so we have to predict, you know, what is going to be the, in the cart more than any other thing. <laughs> That's Hamilton, uh, what's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? I think you're good, Jeff. I say, if you're, if any of this making sense to you, um, and you're, you know, trying to come up with a holiday game 2023 for something to do on Earth Day. You're trying to find something that really is unique, something that is on brand, something that's authentic, or maybe know someone. You know, you you may not be the person, but may know someone, and you're making an intro for us, or you're maybe you have a newsletter, and you want you, you want to include us in that. We would encourage you to reach out. Um, the website is HamiltonPerkins.com. You know, we would love to see if we can find a way to work together. And yeah, just, you know, thank you. And you know, shout out to you guys having this thing going. I mean, I see you got hundreds of uh, episodes and I know uh, consistency casting and content is definitely not easy. So, you know, um, congratulations on the success. Yeah. Appreciate you having to uh, join us on the show. It's been a long time coming and uh, did not disappoint. So thanks so much. Thank you. Toodles, y'all. Thank you much.